right. Good afternoon. Good day. This is the Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. My name is Scott Douglas, a sales associate here at the Zamboni Canada office located in Brantford, Ontario. I'm joined today by Jonathan Laurie. Jonathan, what exactly are you? I've never had the pleasure of meeting you. (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you so much for inviting me. So I am a Zamboni repairman per se. The company I own, Resurfix Incorporated, is owned by myself and my business partner, Mike Sabo. And um, initially, the Zamboni company had an East Coast dealer. At that point, it was called J&C Zamboni. And I believe they started in 1979. And it turns out that the owner of that company, Jim Nafis, and I lived in the same town. So I asked him for a job one day. He hired me. And that's how I became a Zamboni mechanic. So that's what I do. That's funny. I remember I've had a couple of friends ask me, like, how did you get involved with selling Zambonis? And in Ontario, it's kind of a, you hear the name Zamboni and everyone jumps on it. And so small little, small little stories that I uh, actually grew up in the same town as one of Frank's sons. So that's kind of how I got the <laughs> in as well. So for me, you know, I was a Volkswagen nut. I drove a Volkswagen when I got my driver's license. Um, because I didn't have a bunch of money, I learned how to do all the repairs on it myself. And that's what led me to ask Jim Nafis for a job one day, because I knew that the Zamboni machines early on had Volkswagen industrial engines, air-cooled, just like what was in a Volkswagen Beetle. And uh, if, if you don't mind me just rambling on, Jim Nafis had um, a space in a gas station in our hometown So I worked at that gas station in high school. And I remember when they would leave at the end of the day and close the gate, looking through the gate at Zamboni ice resurfacers in different states of uh, being disassembled and seeing these Volkswagen Beetle motors in. So that's what led me to years later, reach out to Jim Nafis and ask him for a job, which was um, terrific. That was in 19, that was in November of 1988. So quite a while ago. Yeah, so I bet you've seen some quite a few adventures over the years, or some a lot of time on the road between um, servicing machines all over the Mid Atlantic and the United States. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But what's been great is um, so my business partner Mike Sabo was already working for this company J and C Zamboni. So the day I started work is the day I met my business partner, my future business partner. And uh, so he was there two years longer than me. He started in the fall of 1986. And uh, he's a great guy. He was so gracious. He taught me his trade right from day one. And all these years later, I would have to tell you, we're better friends now after all these years. But since he's been working on Zamboni machines two years longer than me since 1986, technically, I'm still the new guy. So... (laughs) Yep. So that's been a real blessing. 30 years of experience with the machines. Um, I know I've started with the company coming out just over three years now. And in those three years, I've seen quite a few changes. Um, what have you seen in 30 years? I can't even begin to imagine the change from the air-cooled Volkswagen to the Kubota now to the electric. So you could maybe just kind of highlight maybe um, a couple of points that you really stand out. So, of course, the biggest, you know, the Zamboni ice resurfacer really functions the same way. 
with the conditioner and the augers and the board brush, all that stuff hasn't really changed over the years. I mean, it's been fine-tuned and tweaked, but the way it was designed to work really hasn't changed that much. And why change it? Because it, you know, it works perfectly. The biggest change that I've seen, of course, is in indoor air quality. You know, we were running, you know, model HDBs. Um, we had some model um, Ks and all these different machines. And we were running fuel-powered machines indoors. And, you know, and then there was a period of time where we changed all the gasoline machines over to run on propane. And um, so that's the biggest change I've seen in my years that Zamboni has really improved on is the indoor air quality. And still, that's really the heartbeat of our business to this day with people that are still using fuel machines. They run so well and so clean. So a lot of monitoring of indoor air quality between what the rink has set up in their facility and then what we do when we come out and we test the machines and provide a printed computer report to the customer. That's the biggest change that I've seen for the better. And as far as, as maintenance goes, you know, so when we got into this business, you know, I kind of tease and say, you know, keeping a Zamboni running when I got in the business was kind of like keeping your lawnmower running. And now if a customer calls and they have, you know, a failure with their electric machine or something like that, you know, the days of showing up and putting a set of points and a condenser in the distributor are kind of long gone. Now it's like trying to fix, you know, your computer or your flat screen TV. It's a lot more technical than it used to be. So that's a huge change as far as maintenance goes as well. Absolutely. That kind of leads me into my question. Um, with the recent times we're in now, a lot of people had to shut their facilities down on uh, such a short notice. Is there much difference between putting a fuel-powered machine versus an electric machine to bed for, uh, let's say, the summer shutdown season, or they, they take their ice out at the end of March and they're starting back up in Labor Day in September? Um, any major differences between the electric and fuel? Well, as far as the moving and mechanical parts of the machine, the maintenance that has to be done between a fuel and electric machine, of course, will be the same. I'm talking about the greasing of the machine, the conveyors, how you store it, the tire pressure. All those things are going to remain the same, of course. Um, propane machine, you know, there's really not much you have to do fuel-wise on that. I mean, I would take the bottles off the machine. I would likely run the machine out of propane. Uh, for storage. A gasoline machine, I would do one of two things. I would either drain the fuel system completely, the gas tank and the carburetor. Um, today's fuels don't hold up very well for a long period of storage. You may find that it, it's harder to start or doesn't run very well if the gas is left in the carburetor for a long period of time. Or leave the fuel in it and put like a fuel system stabilizer in there or um, you know, like a high grade of gas if you're gonna leave gas in the machine. So that's what I would do is a difference between propane and gasoline. But as far as an electric machine, in, uh, in preparation to speaking with you today, I called my local battery guy that we use all the time just to get it from the proverbial horse's mouth. He's the battery expert. And whenever I have any question about battery, I'll reach out to the expert. So I explained to him that our rinks are gonna be closed for six weeks, eight weeks. We don't really know yet. 
And he said his suggestion to the customer would be when they're going to walk away from the machine to make sure that it's fully charged at that point. You know, don't jump off a machine that has a 50% charge and leave it that way. He said, charge the machine completely. And uh, so the machine to sit for a couple of months will be just fine at that point. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a big advocate of uh, battery maintenance. So the customer should never go a long period of time without, you know, checking the overall voltage and the, indiv the individual cell voltage, checking the specific gravity in all the cells. And then the one thing that I would add to that would be if you have a one-spot watering system, I would still want to make sure periodically that each cell was getting watered properly, not just completely rely on it. Because if it sits for a long period of time, you know, the fluid that has to flow through the one-spot watering system or through a check valve, um, you want to make sure that it is, in fact, watering each cell properly. So that's just one other thing that I would look into after my machine has sat for a bit of time. That's fantastic. And then kind of speaking on the preventative maintenance and if the machine's sitting, um, I'm sure a lot of facilities have taken the rice out or uh, a facility not seeing any skaters for up to six to eight weeks. Um, if there's ice paint on that machine, what would you suggest they do with that? Yeah, so normally the last cut of the season leaves a lot of ice paint on the machine. Um, when it's dry, it's hard to get it off the machine. So I would strongly suggest, you know, just like you were washing your car, uh, automotive soap, washing the machine, rinsing all of that off, um, taking out the, uh, like, I don't know, some people might vacuum it up with their wash water system. I would certainly rinse out my wash water tank. I would take the wash water return screen out, wash that all off, maybe take the cover off of my wash water pump, clean that all out, and just make sure I'm not leaving a bunch of chalky ice paint on because when it dries it can be hard to get off and it's a little tough on the finish of the machine once it dries on the paint on the painted surface as well but um it gets everywhere you know it gets up on the tires and up on the painted panels of the machine i would i would um i would certainly rinse all that off we've uh we've rented machines to customers who've used it to pull their ice and uh you know they come back and they're a mess you know it's uh they treat it like it's a rental, so you get it back and it's full of ice paint. It takes a while to get it cleaned all off the machine and getting it looking good and making sure it's not uh, in every nook and cranny on your machine. So ice paint, I think, is uh, something that's worth taking a little bit of extra time to get off your machine. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. Um, I myself have even done a couple trade-in evaluations with machines that have just have been caked with ice paint. And then it's, you open the engine bay and see that paint dried everywhere. You kind of know that it's kind of telling for what the rest of the machine will look like. And then by the time you get down to the conditioner runners, they're paper thin. So it's usually pretty telling. Um, yeah, and, and sometimes if it's sometimes I'm sorry, sometimes if it's on the on the engine or on the exhaust system, and then when you start the machine up and the machine begins to warm up, um, you could get a little bit of an odor from it initially as well. So that's another reason to make sure that you have all the ice paint off the machine. Oh, absolutely fully. Yeah, you don't really want any, uh, send the new operator on there and have them smelling the burning paint. Um, kind of <laughs> talking about um, what can be avoided with proper preventative maintenance. Uh, is there anything in from your experience servicing the machines that, um, uh, give or take, every, every September someone calls you and says, Jonathan, my conditioner's making this noise or my 
impellers are burning like this. Is there anything that's kind of you wish you could just kind of set the record straight on? Just make sure you do this for when you start up in a September again. You'll save yourself a little bit of money on a consumable or uh, a spare part. You know, so probably from the day that the Zamboni machine was invented, the most important thing is to grease the machine. It's in such a wet atmosphere that um, the best thing you can do is make sure that you pump grease into all the Zerk fittings on the whole machine, not necessarily because the grease has gone bad, but it's exposed to water. So the best thing to do is grease the machine. And then the second thing is to make sure you wipe that extra grease off. If you grease a universal joint in a drive shaft and then you go drive the machine, the spinning motion will throw the grease off and it could land on the ice surface. And the same thing for the conveyors. It just takes an extra moment to wipe the extra grease off. So that's really important. So there's nothing more important than greasing the whole machine. And the one thing that I would point out is a lot of customers don't necessarily know where all the grease fittings are. There's, gosh, probably 40 of them or 50 of them on the machine. So I always suggest that the information in the Zamboni manual, um, also the information as far as installing the blade, leveling the blade, oftentimes that really valuable information is in the three ring binder or it's in the, the, um, the new manuals, the way they send them out with the machine. I always say that information in a desk drawer or on a shelf in the rink manager's office is doing no good. I, I'm a big fan of suggesting that that information is photocopied, maybe mounted on the wall of the Zamboni storage room, maybe a piece of plexiglass over it. Because oftentimes a guy's not going to make the effort to go all the way up to the office, get that maintenance information. It should be really at the fingertips of the operator or the maintenance guy, not, you know, just kind of tucked away in the office. So I'm a big fan of printing those pages and mounting them in the Zamboni room. So if a customer has any question, you know, where the, where the grease points are or how to level your blade or what set of holes to mount the blade on, the information is right there at their fingertips. So that's, that's my own personal thing that I always recommend to people is, is uh, photocopy that information and keep it in the Zam room so it's right there where they need it. That's fantastic. And I know now um, our manuals ship with machines on a USB stick and as well the manuals are available for uh, download and access 24-7 um, through our Zamboni.com website. All a customer would have to do is enter their machine serial number, um, create a quick little account, and they'll have access to the blade setup like you're recommending, um, all of the circle check forms, uh, the greasing list, and just kind of the seasonal maintenance. So um, I know when you kind of go into a, a resurfacer room, you see this little dusty blue ring, three ring binder in the corner and you wonder that is, or even sometimes I've taken a couple parts calls and I'm like, do you know where you're in? Or if they ask for a part number or if they ask me what the part number is, I'm like, well, Debbie don't look stuff in their manual. And they go, I have no idea where my manual is. So um, right. now that being available online, it should make things a lot easier and um, to just have the operators in the know uh, will definitely save them a lot of money when it comes to consumables and time trying to sort some of these issues out. Yeah. So the other thing I recommend when people are going to store their machine for a period of time is I always suggest that they open the dump tank so that the inside of the dump box can dry out. Also, that gives you the opportunity is, let's just say that the, it's the machine stored for a long period of time and the battery runs down. Instead of having to jack the dump tank up, at least you still have access into the battery. I also suggest that people are going to park the machine for a period of time is to go ahead and, and this is on a fuel powered machine, to go ahead and disconnect the battery or 
purchase a small battery tender that'll keep that battery topped off while you're away from the machine for a period of time. But I like the idea of opening the dump tank just so that air can pass through the dump tank and all over the machine so that it can dry out. I also suggest draining the ice making water tank, leaving the, the ball valves in the open position. Um, if you have a drain on the bottom of your ice making water tank, drain it. Same thing with the wash water tank. Drain that thoroughly. Maybe pull the screen out as a, as a reminder to clean the screen or just allow more air circulating through there. Um, maybe take the spin on top off the poly tank just so again more airflow gets around um, just so the machine has an opportunity to dry out and there's no reason to leave all that water in the machine when you're away from it for, for a while and then when you come back to use the machine again certainly close all those valves but i would suggest flushing the machine if you just went out and painted the ice and you have fresh ice out there you know you don't want to find that something ran through your machine and and uh, landed on the ice surface whether it's you know a little bit of rust or whatever the case may be. So you're better off flushing the system before taking it out on the ice initially. I also suggest just wiping the bottom of the runners down because if you have runners that have been sitting and or they have a little bit of dirt or scale or rust or whatever may be on the runners, no sense putting those down with compression out on the ice and dragging them. So um, just very carefully because of course the machine has a blade on it, I suggest wiping the runners off before you put them down on the ice as well. I also suggest if you're gonna park the machine for a while, remove the blade. That way, instead of water being trapped between the bottom of the blade holding bar and the blade, it gives you another opportunity to take the blade off because chances are you're gonna start with a fresh blade at the beginning of the next season. So take the old blade off, let it dry. But what we also do when customers send their machine into our shop for our preventive maintenance program is one of the last things we do is we take a really um, strong knotted wire wheel on the end of a grinder and we'll clean the bottom of that blade bar get any rust or scale so one um, the rust is off of it and the blade can mount tightly against the bottom of the blade bar and then we just dust a coat of paint on there some people will put some kind of a lube on there WD-40 or something like that but um, we wire wheel them so there's no rust and they're clean and we just dust a, a light coat of paint on them as well that's fantastic. I know um, uh, I can't, as a service representative, I'm sure you've had phone calls and you've been quite busy. Um, how are things going at your end? Are customers kind of reaching out to get ahead of this downtime with their machine service? Or they think they'll be kind of waiting until the, um, the proverbial two weeks they get the green light and they'll be calling you and finding their machines making this noise or hasn't been put to bed properly? Um, so, so our company resurfaced, we've been closed for five weeks and I just reached out to our employees this morning and told them that uh, we're probably gonna be closed at least another week. So we'll be six weeks closed. I do have customers machines at my shop. And um, you know, so we have a great working relationship with our customers. I've been in touch with them, but um, I'm a little bit concerned too that uh, when this, when this, pandemic passes, you know, what's going to be the new norm for the ice rinks? Are they going to have jam-packed public sessions? You know, are they going to have hockey teams in a small locker room? So I, I feel for my customers. I know that a lot of customers are doing maintenance at this time, but I really feel for them for what's the new norm going to be. So of course that's going to trickle down and affect all of us. But uh, um, I, I am concerned about them. I'm concerned for the industry. I know everything's going to bounce back, but 
you know, we're all going to be kind of feeling it out when we get back to business. So I, I have a long list of customers that are signed up for our summer maintenance program. And um, so I resurface, we pick up customers' machines, we bring them to our shop for summer maintenance, and then we return them and go pick up another customer's machine. That's what we do all summer long. So um, we have a lot of work lined up. Of course, we're going to be behind schedule a little bit when we get back. But, um, you know, that said, it's going to be business as usual. And we're just going to feel it out for the new norm. That's all we can really do together is kind of one step at a time and figure out where we're going. Um, and I'm sure as facilities begin to open, they'll begin to open in different waves or different uh, different phases, whether it's a different province or state. Um, so what are you kind of telling your customers to what are you telling your customers today for, let's say, their opening in a month or two months? Because I know right now um, the kind of the feelings I've been getting from some of my customers here in Ontario is that they're probably going their ice is out now and it will probably they're aiming towards um, ice going back in Labor Day. So it's probably about three four months that that machine will be sitting. So I've just kind of mentioned to them that if you order your consumables now get your name in the queue for your parts to come in and then um, make sure that machine's ready for ready to go yeah the most important thing that they can do is you know just give the machine a very good inspection um, I would be a fan of during the shutdown period to go by and start the machine up every now and then drive it so it's not sitting in one spot so you're not worried about flat spotting tires and you know, I know I'm going to, I'll answer your question in a second, but the other thing I would suggest, when the, when the Zam floor, when the, when the floor in the Zamboni room is dry, it's just as a perfect time to check and make sure that the machine has no leaks. Oftentimes, if there's water on the floor and there's a drop of motor oil or hydraulic oil or antifreeze or something like that, it'll land on the water and perhaps float away. But before I would move my machine initially, I would take that opportunity to, to grab a flashlight and look underneath the machine because if there's a drop that comes off of the machine somewhere, you'll have that opportunity to see it on the concrete floor, which you may not normally have when the floor is wet. So that's just one thing that I instruct the customers to take a peek at as well before they jump on and drive. Um, but I would certainly do a visual of the machine and then take inventory. And I, I would consider maybe getting my order in a little bit earlier, whether you order from the folks at J&C or whoever your distributor might be, or whether you order directly from the Zamboni company. But the, but I would, you know, I always suggest that a customer starts with a fresh squeegee at the beginning of the year and, you know, a fresh board brush if, uh, if they're due to put one on. Um, certainly um, check the condition of your water pump impeller. See if you need a new one. Install it with a, a lube and a new gasket on the, on the wash water pump. Um, so, you know, basically I think I end all my phone calls with customers is you have towel squeegee impeller, towel squeegee impeller. Um, and the other thing too, is I like the fact that Zamboni has those new disposable filters for the wash water return. So, you know, one of the things we do for our customers when they come in for maintenance is clean those baskets, which is a little bit time consuming, but the new filter, I would probably start with a fresh filter, um, just like changing any other filter. When you're cleaning that ice and you're running water through it and picking up what's ever on the ice, um, you know, that, that new filter is very inexpensive, uh, inexpensive and it's disposable. So that's something maybe not to overlook when you're buying, um, you know, your parts order for the beginning of the new season. 
Jonathan, do you have any stories that you'd like to kind of share from 30 years in the field? Uh, any kind of funny customer stories without mentioning any names, of course, or making anyone feel bad? Because trust me, if anyone's wondering out there, I've probably made the mistake myself. So. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I sent a text message to my business partner, Mike, last night. I said, hey, these are, the, these are about the 15 funniest stories that I can remember from over the years. What do you have? And he sent me about 25 more stories. And I read through them all and I said, I can't share any of those stories. <laughs> but um, the one that comes to mind that I, I always remember, which I thought was MacGyver, is we had a customer with a Model 500 and his cooling fan had failed. And he didn't want to miss an ice cut. And he did not have a replacement cooling fan. So um, <laughs> he put his skates on in his backpack leaf blower and skated alongside the machine while aiming the leaf blower at the radiator so that air was passing over the radiator while the driver was doing his ice cuts. Pretty dangerous. I wouldn't recommend it, but it was uh, pretty ingenious, I thought. Oh, that's incredible. The show, the show yeah, must go on. The show must go on. And one customer I felt so bad for him, he called me one time and he said, Hey, Jonathan, how many gallons of hydraulic oil do I put in my machine? I blew a hydraulic hose and I've been putting a bunch of oil in and it's, uh, what's, what's the, so I, he said, what's the level? So I said, you know, if you go and buy 25 gallons of oil, you'll have enough to fill the machine and you'll have a couple gallons probably for spare. He said, well, that's what I did. And I've got 55 gallons in the machine and it's still not showing up on the slate glass. And I said, oh, that's impossible. I said, where are you putting it? Unfortunately, he was putting it in the water fill. So he was filling his ice-making water tank with hydraulic oil. So he had 55 gallons of automatic transmission fluid in his ice-making water tank. And uh, I felt bad for him because I knew what a chore that was going to be to try to clean that tank out before you could feel comfortable running water through it again. So um, like those are just a couple guy. that come to mind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I can't imagine that cleaning. Probably some... Uh... <laughs> some colorful ice yeah no doubt <laughs> no that's fantastic um john i don't i don't know if this will go in the podcast but i'm curious as to because you guys would service madison square garden would you not we do yes i was just curious how that how the heck does a zamboni service <laughs> take place in a building like madison square garden in the the heart of manhattan i remember i visited uh new york within the last year or so and I could not believe or even wonder how a service van would make it to a, an arena like that to perform a, an oil change or a filter change. Yeah, and the thing is, Scott, the, the machines are not stored on the first floor. The rink is actually up on, I want to say, like the fifth floor. So you first, you know, after 9-11, there's such tight security that, you know, you, they go through your van, they look under your van with mirrors, you know, they'll have a dog go around your van, you give them your license, and eventually they'll let you in the building. And then you drive up this ramp that circles up around the building until you get up to the fifth floor. And once you're up there, there's room to manipulate. Um, but the hardest part is getting to the building. There's so many one-way streets and getting in and out of Mount Manhattan is certainly a nuisance. But, uh, you know, they're a great customer and we've been servicing them since day one. So... They're a treasured customer for sure. Fantastic. Yeah, I can only imagine there's only a few buildings like that in the world. And 
to have machines there it's always incredible knowing that they still have to be get or serviced and ran just like any other municipal rink it's uh quite the it just comes with a few extra complications that you guys are up to the task for it's incredible <laughs> yep um other than that jonathan i don't really have too many other questions for you today um i just want to thank you again for stopping by and letting me pick your brain this afternoon um the feedback you had was fantastic i know myself i learned a few things and i'm sure everyone else listening will learn from you as well you have a great wealth of wealth of knowledge well i'd like to thank you but why while, while i have you i'd also like to thank um richard zamboni frank zamboni and Doug Peters, because, you know, Mike and I met with them in 1995, 1996, and that's when our company, Resurfix, spun off from the company that we were working for called JNC. And so I just want to thank Frank and Doug for going to bat for us and giving us the opportunity to have our own Zamboni service business. So, you know, obviously a Zamboni dealer is like a car dealer, parts, sales, and service. And the company JNC still does new machine sales and mail order parts. Where Mike and my company, Resurfix, we are, we are strictly just the service business. So I just want to take this opportunity to thank those guys for giving us the blessing, how we uh, change the setup of our distributorship. And, uh, and uh, we've had just a wonderful wonderful relationship with the Zamboni company over the years. So it's, um, you know, it's, it's been a great business. It's been a great relationship and uh, it's been a great friendship. Couldn't agree more myself. Jonathan, I just wanted to say thank you again for stopping by and letting us pick your brain. Um, this has been another Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast and by far listening to Jonathan today, we definitely had a Zamboni expert on with 30 years of experience. Um, it's a pleasure having you here today. Um, for everyone out there listening, please stay tuned as we are going to be releasing this episode and more episodes to come on our Zamboni social media platforms. Um, hope everyone is keeping safe and well and wishing you all a very ice day. Mm-hmm.